The Earn in the Push podcast is on the air, a show by wrestling fans, for wrestling fans, to talk about the two things that we love the most, the current wrestling scene and what we would do if we were in charge. My name is Jack Murley. I'm a professional broadcaster, and every week I'm joined by the godfather to my good father, the grandmaster sexay to my Scotty Too Hottie, the seductive laugh to the rest of my Trish Stratus theme tune. It's our professional athlete, Charlie Beckett. Hello. You enjoyed those? <laughs> I'm worried that we're selling me is the uh, sexual appeal of our podcast because if we are we are really struggling you're the seductive giggle at the start of the trish theme that's what we no, were... because that seductive giggle awakened a lot of things in me that i didn't know were there when i was about 11 years old so that's um, I, I could do a whole podcast just on that one of the best things we did in our old show was i got the newsreader do you remember this to, yes, to read yeah, a guy called brilliant. tyler and tyler spoke as if he was a 1940s war reporter and I got him to record the lyrics and you haven't lived till you've heard a BBC newsreader say, ho, I want to rock and roll. This time I'm in control. It was genius. That was one of my most fun things we've done. The best thing about it was you didn't tell me we were doing it until the day. So I was caught completely off guard and I enjoyed that one very much. We'll have to see if we can do something like that again at some point. We'll need to re rope some people in. Uh, right, this is going to be a busy, busy show. So let's give you the ways you can get in touch right off the bat. At Charlie underscore Beckett is him. At Jack underscore Murley is me. Earning the Push podcast at hotmail.com is where you can send your booking to. Uh, we are very, very excited about the booking of how Roman Reigns will lose his universe Universal title. We'll do mine and Charlie's, the first part of each of it this week. We'll get into yours next week, and they're brilliant. But last week, shortly before we published our episode, WWE dropped a bombshell, and this is still the talk of the wrestling world. There are always releases from WWE, but this caught everyone by surprise. Santana Garrett, Ruby Riot, Murphy, Lana, Alistair Black, and Braun Strowman all wished the best with their future endeavours. They are no longer with WWE. Charlie, I think it's fair to say no one saw any of that coming. No, not at all. And the first thing we have to say is it's never nice to see anyone lose their job, like especially the current climate. Like I think we're quite flippant about it sometimes because these are big stars who we all imagine have paid a lot of money, but suddenly that money's gone and there's not many other games in town like WWE. So it's a big, big thing. It's We don't like seeing it. I think... Santana and uh, Lana, I can maybe understand to a point. I think they weren't doing too much. I think Lana had probably reached the potential. I think Lana has improved unbelievably. I think she'll be successful elsewhere. But I think with Rusev now Miro going, I think you could always maybe see the writings on the wall for that. Ruby Riot was a shock. I think they didn't even scratch a surface of what she could achieve. And I think the Riot squad, why they ever disbanded them, I don't know. I think they were they were a great faction, especially when they brought the women's tag team titles in. They seemed them and the iconic seem tailor-made, and now only Liv Morgan still there. Alistair Black and Braun Strowman, I thought, was a mishap. I thought it was a joke. I cannot believe those two. Absolutely dumbfounded. It speaks to, and I'd echo everything you say about no one wants to lose their jobs. These are people who have a passion for the industry. It really speaks to a lack of long-term planning for WWE that, on our podcast last week, we were talking about Alistair Black finally getting the push that we felt he deserved. And the next week, he's gone. And clearly from his tweets, it caught him completely unawares. Yeah, it seemed like he was completely all in on this new um, this new character he was developing. Yeah. His his vignettes were some of the best they produced in a long time. Their teases. We'd spoken about, hadn't we really, whether we think the spooky sort of thing can get over anymore. But 
they were definitely giving it their best shot and no one can stand there and look you in the eye and tell you that man can't go in the ring. He's one of the best in the world. He's one of my favourite to watch. I think Black Mass is probably my favourite finishing movie in wrestling currently because the way it's delivered and just, yeah, it just is, I, I can't, I, I want to I wanna give the reasons I think they could for releasing Alistair Black and I just can't at all. There was even um, reports that Selena, Selena Vega had been seen back at the Performance Centre in the last few weeks. A lot they were bringing her back. Even if, yes, they released her. It's not like she was disparaging about WWE anywhere or she turned up elsewhere. So that hasn't rocked the boat for any way. No, so the other black one I don't understand. The other one we, I need to touch on as well is I think Buddy Murphy is a shot yes. to go as well. Because not too long ago, he was the main man with Seth Rollins. He was involved with Mysterios. But also, again, quite clearly go in the ring. The fact that you can't find a place for the talent in ring that is Buddy Murphy or Alistair Black with his charismatic charismatic persona as well is madness. And we had a good discussion about it off air that neither of us maybe have been Braun Strowman's biggest fans in the world. Uh, but what you've got to say about Braun is from where he came into WWE to what he is now is two completely different beasts. The work he's put into the shape he's got and the way he goes in the ring is unbelievable. I think it was 2017 Braun when he was feuding with Roman was one of the most fun feuds you've ever I've ever watched. He was great fun character. But when is there never a place for a huge monster heel for the up and coming babyface to overthrow in wrestling? I don't how you can't have a place for him in your company again. Dumb bounds me. The only thing I've read about that, uh, and I think it was on Fightful, which is great. They're so good with all their stuff. It was Sean Ross Sapp is how much money he was on. Apparently he was on an absolutely enormous deal with WWE. And it seemed that in the message John Laurinaitis sent out to the talent, it was all budging cuts was the reason. So that's the only, only reason I can slightly be- think or believe that one that makes sense is Strowman's money. They, they couldn't just find the money they were paying him for what he was doing, which wasn't much really at the moment. But honestly, the, the Alistair Black one was the one I can't believe because I just think he's got world champion material written all over him and, if you haven't got a place for him in your company, I think you have to look in the mirror before you look anywhere else. So on social media, plenty of people with plenty of things to say. Scott says, what's going on with this? Braun was one of my favourites. For someone near £400 to get in that kind of shape was incredible. I think he'd kill it in AEW. I'm genuinely, genuinely annoyed by this. Uh, James, they say, I was a big Ruby Riot fan. I adored Alistair Black in NXT and picking a fight with Cesaro. Uh, Strowman must have either murdered someone or sneezed on Vince, since when is a huge monster not needed by WWE? Uh, James, they are agreeing with you. Let me take a stab at this. I'm not sure if I believe it, but it's my instincts from my other job to try and balance this out. If you're WWE, your model is a TV company. Now, right, you're a TV company. You make your money by producing compelling TV that people will buy from you and you get your rights fees. You're probably not going to be touring as much as you used to do, given how your finances have been in the pandemic. You've maybe adjusted that side of your model. As talented as these performers are, do we think WWE's rights fees, their live attendances, their pay-per-view buys are going to go down without Alistair Black and Braun Strowman and Murphy? And if they're not, is there not a business case to say that WWE, however unpalatable, could afford to make these cuts and still be the behemoth they are today? Yeah, and when you put your cynical business head on, you can probably see it. And I think especially with, let's say, Strowman for the money it seems he was on and maybe Ruby Riot for 
how good she could have been in the women's division. She hadn't had that impact where that was her fault. The booking's fault is a different, different conversation altogether. The one I think you could have made so much money out of Alistair Black. I just think the man was and is money. I cannot wait to see what Tommy End goes on to do. But I think it's more the issue of the persona it gives off in WWE. And also, fans are losing faith in the main roster. I saw, now I'm going to get this a little bit wrong. So I was trying to find it on Twitter for an hour and I couldn't find the exact tweet. <laughs> But it's, I think it was Gary Cassidy inside the ropes shared or tweeted themselves something, something along the lines of, of the NXT champions who've been called up to the main roster, more have now been released than one gold on the main roster. Which just shows, like, I can't think really of any NXT champion that wasn't successful, that wasn't enjoying NXT. They are a hit in NXT with wrestling fans. So why can't the main roster handle them? I think it's just playing more and more into this in, into this storytelling that is WWE don't know how to handle their talent anymore. And we'll get onto it. Raw is one of the worst wrestling shows I've ever seen in the world at the moment. It is it's abysmal. SmackDown is different. It's good. And NXT I enjoy. Their flagship show. How can you tell me three hours of Raw wouldn't be improved with any of those people in good stories? Because Raw last night was one of the worst Raws has been. And you can't this talent it. go. You, you can't argue it. I, I will try and play devil's advocate in any situation. You cannot tell me that a match between, uh, let's just say, Alistair Black and Murphy. I would absolutely bang. I want to see that match now. I want to see that match now. Imagine what they do with 15 minutes. I mean, I, I, look, if, if you think different on this, at Charlie underscore Beckett, at Jack underscore Murley, earning the push podcast at hotmail.com, uh, the argument will be that a number of these talents could turn up in AEW, as evidenced by the fact on the most recent Dynamite, we saw Andrade El Idolo, I think I'm saying that right, a year of Duolingo, still not sure on my Spanish, but other he pops in AEW with Vicky Guerrero, and you would have to suspect that Tony Khan will be considering having conversations, if he hasn't already, with at least a couple of those talents. I mean, you could make wrestling fans salivate the old heart-eye emojis by just putting Tommy End with Darby Allen, John Moxley, Kenny Omega, make that for a year, take my money. It's tough, isn't it? Because AW get angled at them, probably fairly wronged if it's just where WWE wash-ups go, or it's just where they just take the ones WWE release. Well, none of these people are WWE wash-ups, I wouldn't say. These people are, are performers in their prime that WWE have decided not to carry on with. I have no doubt with End there, because I just think, Obviously, I want to see him versus Andrade as well now. Put them together. I think one of our, there was a reply to you, one of our listeners, I can't remember the name now, which is poor from me, pitched it of him turning up there and just saying, I'm not here for titles, I'm here for a fight, and John Moxie's music plays. Yes, yeah, th this and is James. James says, James. I didn't come here for titles, I came here for money, I came for a fight, wild things starts playing, out comes John Moxley, then you came to the right place. Yes, just right do yourself. that. And I said to you, I texted you um, when it all happened and said, because I've made no secret of it, I don't watch AW Weekly. I see what I need to. NXT is my weekly show. I, and SmackDown at the moment. If Tommy Ends turns up now in AW, which I have no doubt he will, I think that'll be the straw that breaks the camel back on. I'm going, I can't not watch this now. There is so much good stuff happening that I, I can't not commit two full hours my week to see what's going on here because it just, I'm watching more and more slowly and everything I'm watching, I'm enjoying. So, I'm a WWE fanboy through and through. I've grown up with WWE, and even I'm a bit turned off to it at the moment through a number of reasons. Now, you mentioned SmackDown is one of your shows. I'm going to give you 
your five minute soliloquy on on the on the Usos and Roman Reigns, and rightly so because their booking is sensational. And we'll see how we would do it in part two of the show. But as I was pondering the fact that you would be giving me your usual uh, ode to Roman Reigns, I did wonder if you took Roman Reigns off SmackDown. Is it a one story show? As much as we say Raw is struggling and we, we, we say SmackDown is looking great at the moment, if Roman Reigns and the Usos were, for whatever reason, suddenly off your screens, would SmackDown be falling into the same pitfalls as Raw? It wouldn't be as bad as Raw, because I think the wrestling is better on SmackDown. Like I thought I quite enjoyed the... I'm not a huge Apollo Crews fan, but I enjoyed his match with Kevin Owens this week. There's They haven't been at front and centre, but the Cesaro-Seth Rollins thing bubbling under as well, which I really enjoy. Is it, I think Bailey, Bianca, Sasha, they're all in the mix. There's a lot of good, there's a lot more good stuff on SmackDown, but I watch it for one reason, one reason only, and that is Roman Reigns. That, that's what keeps me coming back. And this week, I'm going to go straight into it. This week again, oh, when he calls, let me get this right, when he calls Jay, Jimmy, and Jay says, I'm Jay Use, and he just looks at him and goes, does it even matter anymore? Oh my days. I oh just like that is cold. That is cold. And they just it's just I'd love to know who's writing this and who's involved and how involved Heyman is. Because this screams Paul Heyman to me. I, he has his I know he's involved on screen. This has his fingerprints are all over it off screen, I think, because he does some of my favorite stories in wrestling are accredited to him a lot of the time. And it just screams because how can they be getting storytelling so wrong on Raw and so right over here on SmackDown? And it's not like SmackDown is, as it was once perceived, the B show. SmackDown is the A show. It is on Fox. It is on network television. It is the one for WWE. And as much as people will criticize Vince McMahon, he is the one who's looking at what's happening on SmackDown and giving you the wrestling that you love above all else at the moment and saying... Let's do more of that. So how can there be such a dichotomy between SmackDown being so good with those angles and Raw being so poor? And that's that, that's not easy to say. Some of my favorite wrestling moments have been from Monday Night Raw. It's what made me a fan. But it's so, so poor. Yeah, it's, it's beyond poor at the moment. I, I don't want to talk about this week's main event segment because I haven't actually watched it. I'll tell you why. Because we spoke about earlier, Kenny McIntosh inside the ropes, who is always one of the most positive men in wrestling, always wants yep. to give it a chance, yep. genuinely tweeted, watch Raw, but turn off the main event segment, it's that bad. And that said everything I needed to hear about that segment. I'm not, if he's saying that, I'm not going to give it my time. I've got better things to do in my day. Yeah. When you talk about the Usos, just going back to that, um, you are a professional rugby player. I doubt you watch Bake Off. Have you ever watched Bake Off? Mate, I adored Bake Off. I, before you knew me, I used to live tweet Bake Off. It used to be called hashtag Beckett on the Bake Off, Beckett on Bake Off, and it trended in Gloucester once when I was at Gloucester. I stopped watching when we went to Channel 4 because I thought no show's ever been more BBC. I'm putting my, I'm drawing my line in the sand. I will not watch it. But yeah, I used to live tweet Bake Off, so I'll get, I'll get where you're going with this. So you know that moment where Paul Hollywood just takes a mouthful of something and just looks at them and gives the handshake? That's yeah. how I feel whenever I get a WhatsApp from you 
about the Reigns Uso booking. Yeah. It feels like you're giving your version of the Hollywood handshake yeah. to whoever's booked that stuff. Also, there's never been a heel turn like when Diane threw Ian's, um, but took it out the freezer, his baked Alaska or whatever it was, <laughs> and then he binned it. No, um, it was the woman with the custard. That was the ultimate screw job when the yes, woman. Uh, bit, yes, I can't remember her name, but I do remember it. This. Yeah. Well, how do we not draw the parallels between Bake Off and wrestling before? There's so many. Before we leave SmackDown, though. I just have to say, I read, again, can't remember who it was on Twitter, saying the rumour, I think it was Inside the Ropes again. I spent a lot of my time on Inside the Ropes. It's very good. Why not? Great um, website. Was the rumour for Hell in a Cell is Roman versus Rey Mysterio. And I want to see that now because obviously he's beaten Dominic up. Rey's coming back for vengeance, I think, would imagine the story would be. And imagine 20 minutes of Roman ragdolling Rey and Rey selling. I just think that could be a great story. Two, two of the best to do it. I think that could be a very, very good match and feud. And the story's there now with him destroying Dominic after the match this week. Yeah, and given last week we were saying, I think we can predict everything WWE will do and the way they'll do it. I didn't see that coming, but I want to see it. So credit to them. Um, Well, look forward to our new Bake Off podcast coming up in the fall of this year. It'll be a nice spin-off as we expand our podcasting uh, empire. Charlie underscore Beckett is him. Jack underscore Murley is me. Earning the Push podcast at Hotmail.com is where you get in touch. We have the first part of our Roman Reigns losing the Universal title fantasy booking coming up. Before we do that, Charlie, I know you want to talk probably briefly about NXT and Adam Mm. Cole. Oh, his promo this week with Karrion Cross. That was good, wasn't it? Yeah. It that was. was good. When he just says to uh, Karrion Cross, runs through all the things that he was making special, and he says, you know how they make me special feel around, how they make me feel special around here? They ring the damn bell. I was like, oh, you go, Adam. You go. <laughs> and the fact that in your house his main event is going to be a fatal four-way between Adam Cole, Karrion Cross, Pete Dunne, and Kyle O'Reilly. Yes, please. Yeah, that, but, 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 do it. But don't do what you did to us last time you did this NXT. Do you remember that 60-minute Iron Man match that went yes. nowhere? Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Do this properly, and you're writing a wrestling match for me there. Like, they're four of my favourite performers. Like they're, and what I love about those four is they're incredibly technical, but they're also just brutal and physical sometimes. They're this sort of new generation of wrestling. You, you would normally get, I think, in the last 20 years, the huge physical guys who were great at that stuff, but weren't too technical, were your smaller technical guys. You're now seeing even the smaller guys, like Adam Cole's not a big man, but some of the physicality he goes through is unbelievable. Pete Dunne is not a big man, but some of the physicality he goes unbelievable. Karrion Cross is a big man, but technically he's unbelievable. I think Kyle O'Reilly is one of my dark horses in wrestling. I think he's, he's just a superstar who's starting to simmer and waiting to burst out. I think he's, he's unbelievable. You know, that Fatal 4-Way could be a match of the year contender. And I don't want to hype it too much because, like you say, we have done, I've done that before with NXT and sat there and gone, oh, but I just don't think I will be with this one. No, I think it's going to deliver. Uh, right, let's move on. Uh, do not go anywhere. The Earning the Push podcast is on the air. The first part of the show is always setting the wrestling world to rights. The second part is fantasy booking, and we have a cork of you over the next couple of weeks, set by our own Charlie Beckett. How would you dethrone Roman Reigns as a universal champion? We'll start giving you our interpretations of how we'd give it a crack after the break, so don't go anywhere. Right, we're back. Earning the Push podcast part two. Uh, We've been going now for the best part of six weeks or so, and I don't think I've looked forward to a fantasy booking challenge 
as much as this one. It was set by Charlie last week. You've had seven days to think on it. The topic is, how would you dethrone Roman Reigns as universal champion? Some crackers already coming in, Andrew amongst others, uh, with some brilliant suggestions that we'll start going into next week. We're going to whet your appetite with part one of mine and part two of Charlie's. Before we do that, uh, we've been WhatsApping and putting on social media photos of our own scribbled, geeky writings. When we started this pod, this is what it was all about. You've enjoyed this a lot. Oh, I really have, mate. I've been thinking about this one. As soon as you set the Bray Wyatt one, and I realised it'd be my turn next, this has been in my head. So actually part of me booking Bray Wyatt was trying to get this out of my head because I knew this is what I was going to do next. <laughs> so um, this has been, and I've changed it quite a few times, but I'm, yeah, I'm very excited. Very okay. excited. Okay, given you're so excited, uh, would you like to go first or would you like to go second? I'm going to go first this week. Go for it. Come on. Right. I can't wait. He has okay. got a glint in his eyes, boys and girls, that you wouldn't believe. Okay, mine coming up in a moment. Charlie Beckett. Uh, this is just part one, remember, of how he would book Roman Reigns losing the Universal title. So I would book, the way I would book Roman Reigns losing the Universal title is I wouldn't. And there we go. No. No, 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 no. You did that so deadpan because you promised me last week that wouldn't happen. <laughs> I would, but I wouldn't for a long time. So I'm going to pick up my story at the 2022 Royal Rumble. So between then and now, Roman's seen off all his challengers. Ray, I think he'll go through a summer of Seth Rollins. Um, I want to see Cesaro again. There's going to be this draft apparently in October. I think you could see Finn Balor end up back on SmackDown. That's some matches I'd like to see through um, TLC and that sort of time. But the Royal Rumble, Roman Reigns is defending his universe title against Big E. Now, this match is hyped hugely. You know that push we kind of got for Big E to the IC Titan they pulled off again? They're going full on that. So huge VT packages, the way he's being booked. Heyman's putting him over the way only Heyman can. You know where he puts over opponents and it's quite scary how he builds up, how good they are. He's done it with Brock. He's done it with Roman in the past. Just how worried he is about this. And it actually ends up being the main event of the Royal Rumble. Both the Rumble matches go before it. This is the main event. This is the biggest match in wrestling. This is the big ticket. And in E's corner, a Kofi and Woods, he has his full New Day in his corner. They're the Raw Tag Team Champions. And Reigns, Reigns' corner is Heyman and the Usos, who are the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. That isn't important. I just think it's quite a nice visual to have all this gold around the ring, basically. But they're <laughs> all there. They have a 30-minute match, and it's just a barnstormer. It's physical. There's a great emotional storyline that all Reigns matches have at the moment. There are um, callbacks to things that have been done in promos, that sort of thing. The spots where the New Day almost throw the towel in because Reigns is beating on Big E that badly. The spots where the Usos almost get involved and interference shenanigans but the new day stop them it's just a proper 30 minute war between two huge dudes just battling it out eventually he passes out in the guillotine just his guillotine finisher just passes out has got no more referings the bell they get up roman and he eventually gets up he's held up by the new day roman's in the ring just gives him a nod of respect nothing else there's no beat down gives him a nod this is the closest roman reigns has been pushed because long term Biggie's got to be a world champion. He's got to be one day. And I want him to get something out of this. He's not in my story going forward, but that man's got world championship written all over him. So yeah. It's the first time Roman Reigns gives anyone a nod of respect after a match. Say, yeah, fair play. You've pushed me further than anyone has. Now, the New Day are carrying E up the ramp. Roman's standing in the ring to the crowd with the Usos, with Heyman. And as the New Day gets to the top, 
you just hear the rocks music hit. <laughs> and you smell what the rock is cooking. And the, the arena goes berserk. Rock comes down, he enters the ring, and he raises Reigns hand, a bit like at the end of the 2015 Royal Rumble. And this time they're not booing, because I think by this time people are almost starting to like Roman. And people are just going berserk for this. We haven't seen the rock in how long. And he gives Reigns a huge hug and the rock climbs a turnbuckle and starts taking the cheers and starts taking all the limelight away from Roman. You can see Roman just staring at him, being like, What what the hell do you think you're doing? He comes back in the middle of the ring. And as he walks past Roman to go to the other turnbuckle, Roman kind of shoulders him a little bit. And they just have a stare off in the middle. And you hear, you don't, you don't have mic, but you hear on the camera, Roman saying, who do you think you are? Acknowledge me. Rock just laughs at him, like as if he's joking. Roman laughs as well and just spears the rock. He spears him in the middle of the ring. And Roman and the Usos deliver a brutal beat down the rock. Like they batter him for a good five, ten minutes, like it's awkward to watch, uncomfortable viewing, because I need to turn Roman heel again. I can't have people liking him. So I think beating up The Rock like that's probably going to do it. Smackdown rolls around on the Friday. Roman's in the ring with Heyman with Usos, and he's about to speak. And as he lifts the mic to his mouth, Rock's music hits again. And The Rock comes out, and you can see he's still a bit beaten. He's got cuts, whatever, a bit of strapping, but he comes down. You know in The Rock, you can just tell he's hot. He's coming down like there is no tomorrow. And he's come down the ring like that. Both Usos come out to meet him and he just lays them both out on the, on the, on the ramp. Like just, and the Usos sell for him. Like clotheslines and they just go flying. He attacks Roman and a classic, a classic WWE pull-apart brawl happens. Pull-apart brawl, the whole locker room empty. Somehow one man gets away from 30 men to get there. You know, you know what I'm talking about. We've seen yeah. him a lot. A week later, the next SmackDown, an in-ring face-off is arranged. And it's one of those ones where they have a hilarious line of security cutting the ring in half. So it's two triangles, the ring. And in one half, you have The Rock, just by himself. In the other, you have uh, Roman, Usos, Heyman, all his gang. And they just cut promos on each other. And Roman's very calm. He says, I'm the travel chief. I'm the head of our family. You left to go to Hollywood. This isn't your world anymore. This is our family's world. This is where we made our lives. I carry the mantle here. You need to fall in line, acknowledge me. This isn't your world anymore. And The Rock just listens and listens and listens and just says, are you done? At the end, and then I'm not even going to try and describe how The Rock would do it. But in his amazing promo sense, he's, the, he's quite simply the best promo in the history of wrestling for me. The message he gets across is, our family is proud, our family are warriors. I'll be damned if I'm going to let them be led by some cheap shot cowardly. And now this is how you know it's a serious feud in WWE because he's going to call him a bitch. No. And that's, that's their big word. You want me to acknowledge you, you have to fa- you have to earn it. Put that title on the line and face me at WrestleMania. And then you've got your main event at WrestleMania set. And now I'm not going to write the next few months but how you get to Mania because how much potential is there in the promos from The Rock and Roman the pros in The Rock and Heyman. Imagine The Rock and Heyman going at each other like, do as you please with that WWE. You can't get that wrong. But we get to Mania and it's Rock versus Roman for the uh, Universal title. And the promos, the build-up are intense. The VT is incredible. WWE do on their unbelievable packages before the match. But before they come out, down the ramp comes the whole Anawaii family. And there is a whole front row left for them. 
and you see the likes of Asa and Sika, you see Rikishi, all the family are sat front row to watch this because as much as this is, as much as I want this to build this huge world business, this is family business. This is important to the Anawai family. This is their business first and foremost and then everyone else's. Roman and Rock go to war. They go to absolute war and you know what? I'm not sure how much the rock can go now. So we have to play. We have to play hard. Lean into. Lean into the story. Lean into the crowd, who I'd imagine will be losing their minds. Go through. Go through the greatest hits of the rock. Give the fans what they want, because this is probably going to be one of the last times we see him in a WWE ring. So give them what they want. You know. You know the uh, score. I want to see kickouts of rock bottoms. I want to see kickouts of people's elbows, of spears, of Superman punches. The Rock's the first man to ever power out of the guillotine. He's passing out, passing out, and he powers out. But you think he's going to go the way so many have, and he powers out. And then finally, Roman's got Rock laid in the middle of the ring. And he smiles, and he goes for the people's elbow. And he's laughing as he's doing it. Reminiscent of John Cena at WrestleMania 28. And as he comes off the ropes, just like John Cena at WrestleMania 28, Rock pops up, ready to rock bottom him. Roman ducks it comes off the other ropes and hits a huge spear, like he did to Taker at WrestleMania 33. Ropes, ropes, spear. Goes to the pin. One, two, three. Roman beats The Rock in the middle of the ring at WrestleMania. Both men lie in the ring. The Usos and Heyman, they lift Roman, uh, they lift Roman up. And the whole Anawaii family enter the ring. And one by one, they're all standing in front of Roman holding this title. And one by one, the whole family, the Usos, Heyman, all the family are watching just take a knee. And they acknowledge and finally it's just the rock stood there. And the rock just stood there staring at him and finally kneels down to acknowledge his tribal chief. The final shot of WrestleMania 38, it'll be won it next year, 38, as Roman Reigns stood, universal title above his head, the whole Anawaii family, including the rock and Paul Heyman, kneeling, their heads down, bowed to him, acknowledging their tribal chief. And that is the first half of how I get to take the title off him. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. From that subtle first moment at the start to the unexpected finish at WrestleMania. That is, you must have known when you were writing it, that was good, right? Well, I just, I don't know how you, there are two stories I really want to see out of Roman's reign. You'll get the other one next week. But the one I want to see the most is the Roman versus, is Roman versus The Rock. And yeah. it's been rumoured for years, hasn't it? And it just seems like, the Rock is an alpha figure, isn't he? He is the man. So play into the fact that there's two huge alpha figures here. And just because The Rock isn't round, it doesn't mean that he doesn't think he's the head of the table still. It doesn't mean he doesn't still consider himself the tribal chief. And I don't think there's another run in The Rock. He's too busy doing other things. I don't know if you'd even get a match out of him at the moment because of insurance, this film and stuff, because he's the biggest star in Hollywood. But if you're going to get one last match out of him, get one last story, for me, that's the one I want to see. Okay, and you'll notice Charlie hasn't cost Roman Reigns a title yet. That's coming up next week in part two of this. I you promise I do. Think. I yeah. promise he does lose it. I promise this is, you. This is like this is like the screw job on the podcast where we get to next week and you're like, ring the bell. There's no title change. He's holding on to it. Uh, Charlie underscore Beckett, Jack underscore Merley, earning the push podcast at hotmail.com. If you liked it, if you loathed it, if you have questions about it, that's also the address for yours. We're going to start getting them in, into them next week. We've got lots coming in on this. Uh, I'm going to give you how I would do it part one and i have to say it is very very different to you which is good we like different we like a bit of diversity we do we do 
The key points I want to get across in doing this is that the only person who can beat Roman is Roman. He's too He's too confident. He's too together. We need to make Roman doubt himself. So my scene set, a bit like yours, is relying on a couple of real fantasy points. The first is that he continues to dominate from now through the summer. He beats Cesaro, Rollins, Kevin Owens. He's still got the title. Every commentator is saying with Reigns at the head of the table, who can stop him? No one. And the second thing I need to do is push the money in the bank pay-per-view to after SummerSlam. It's sort of now sitting where No Mercy used to be, unforgiven sort of place. So my booking starts with Vince McMahon coming to SmackDown for a state of WWE address. There's no real reason why he's there, but we can build up to it. But the important thing is that Vince McMahon, the chairman of the board, is coming to SmackDown. And he lines up the roster on the stage and everyone is there. And as Vince prepares to make his first announcement, he looks at the stage and cocks an eyebrow and says, where is he? Where's Roman Reigns? And the camera pans across and you can see the universal champion isn't on the stage. So Vince calls a stagehand up to the ring. Where is he? Where's Roman Reigns? I said, everyone, damn it. And the stagehand says, He's still in his locker room. And Vince shouts, damn it, Roman, you come out here. I said everyone. And there's silence. And the stagehand says, play Roman's music. And the music plays. And there's silence. And Vince McMahon, the chairman of the board, takes off his jacket and throws it to the ground and storms backstage. And as he gets towards Roman Reigns' dressing room, the Usos are stood outside. And as he tries to enter, they stand in Vince McMahon's way. We are seeing Vince McMahon humiliated on his own show. He looks at them and says, let me in. And they look back and say, knock, old man, if you want to see the tribal chief. And they make Vince McMahon knock on Roman Reigns' door. And Vince goes in and before he can say a word, Roman is sat title in front of him. And calm as you like, says, just so you know, old man, I'm the tribal chief and I don't take orders from anyone, not even you. And Vince looks back at him and Vince has had all the anger come out of him. And he says, just so you know, Roman, life moves pretty fast. The only person you can trust is you, not even family. Family means nothing. Trust me, I should know. You've made the wrong enemy tonight, Roman. And that's where we leave things as Roman Reigns gets up, laughs in Vince's face, and much like you in your booking, shoulder pass Vince out of the room. And that's how we leave it on SmackDown. So the next week, having had a state of WWE announcement the week before, we get a celebration of Roman Reigns. And all through the show, it's build up that we're going to be celebrating the tribal chief unbeaten, still the man in WWE. And out he comes. He's got the garlands on. He's got the Usos with the garlands on. And Paul Heyman gives it one of those classic subservient promos. And he gestures to the Titan Tron and says, all hail the achievements of the tribal chief. Look at this promo. And instead of the promo that Paul Heyman has put together, what you see is every single time Roman Reigns has been betrayed. 
You see Seth Rollins drilling him in the back. You see Paul Heyman laughing at ringside at WrestleMania 31 as Brock Lesnar beats the tar out of Roman Reigns. You see Jey Uso standing up to Roman Reigns. And over the top, you hear Vince's voice saying, family means nothing. And as the promo ends, Reigns is looking at Heyman saying, what the hell is that? And Heyman goes, I'll fix it. I'll fix it. Let me go backstage. I will find out what is going on. And as Heyman goes backstage, he finds Adam Pearce and Heyman grabs Pierce and pushes him against a wall and says, do you know what you've done? You have ticked off the tribal chief. Do you re- what were you thinking at? And Adam Pierce says, it wasn't me. It was Vince. And Vince has a message for Jey Uso. Vince says Jey Uso has a guaranteed place in the Money in the Bank ladder match. And that's an order for him to take part. And one more thing, if Roman Reigns interferes in the Money in the Bank, he's fired. So we've got Jey Uso in Money in the Bank. And for the next few weeks leading up to Money in the Bank, Reigns is furious about Uso being in that match. He could take the title from me. And Heyman tries to make Roman Reigns see it as an opportunity. Uso can take out all the other challengers. Uso is his insurance policy. And Jay's agreeing with Heyman. But we begin to see packages that show what money in the bank winners can do. And we begin to get those Batista Triple H vibes from 2005, where you can see that Jay Uso is thinking about what winning could mean. And range, you can see, is beginning to doubt Jey Uso. And on Talking Smack, Paul Heyman is asked again and again and again about what's going on. Can you really trust Jey Uso? Is Roman Reigns beginning to crack until we get to the Money in the Bank pay-per-view? And Jey Uso is taking out everyone. He's taking everyone down. And he suddenly finds himself in a position at the bottom of the ladder, able to look up at the Money in the Bank briefcase. And everyone around starts to cheer. And Roman Reigns, who cannot interfere in the match or he's fired, appears at the top of the ramp and looks at Jey Uso. And Jey looks back at Roman and takes a step up the ladder. And Roman begins to make his way down the ramp. And Roman's looking panicked now as Jey takes another step up the ladder. And by the time Jey's midway up the ladder, Roman is at ringside looking at him, going, don't do it, Jey. And Jay looks at Reigns and takes another step up. And by now, Jay is touching the briefcase. And hopefully the fans are realizing what Jay is about to do. And Roman is by now screaming at Jay Uso, stand down, Jay, stand down. And Jay looks like he's just about to unhook the briefcase. And then he stands down and walks back down the ladder and walks to the back. And Big E wins the Money in the Bank briefcase. But Roman Reigns is rattled because around him, the family that gave him the solidarity he needed is just beginning to fall apart. And that's where I'll leave my booking for part one. But that is how I would begin to take the Universal title away from Roman Reigns. Very different to you. I love it. I'm also I'm a sucker for getting Vince McMahon involved in anything. That's an, that's an easy way to get me watching wrestling is, is, is Vincent Kennedy McMahon's there. But also, he's at his best when he's got someone to go against. You look at, it's obviously different to, with Austin because Austin, he was the face and, Rome, and um, McMahon was the Matt heel, quite obviously. But when he's fired up and he's going at someone, there's no better character. There is no better character in wrestling history than Mr. McMahon. So if you can bring him in, I love it. And then the whole fact that, like you say, the only person who can beat Roman is Roman. And 
the family that his security is starting to fall fall apart around him and then you get the insecurity and the paranoia and all oh, there's just so much playing to into that and I I thought Jay was going to take the briefcase I could see it in my head I was like he's going to take this and he didn't so why didn't he oh I love it I love a multi-layered story who in history has taken a tyrant down it's the tyrant's own insecurities that take them down and Vince knows it better than anyone else so uh you wouldn't believe the fun Charlie and I had putting these together we've been whatsapping each other pretty much all week those are part one of ours we've got loads coming in uh Andrews will get into next week and some others too if you like what you're hearing if you don't if you think you could do it better be our guest it's what this show is all about at Charlie underscore Beckett yep at Jack underscore Merley earning the push podcast at hotmail.com by the way thank you if you're one of the many many people downloading this listening uh showing a bit of love on social media it means a lot if you could rate review and subscribe that would be fantastic and do not go anywhere because we'll be back after the break for the final segment where something in everyday life is earning a push something is going back to developmental stick around we'll tell you what's going where next The final part of the show is all about recognizing that us wrestling fans are part of a wider uh, social system. We are just everyday people like you, but we can apply the terms of wrestling to things we love and deserve a push and to things we hate and need to go back to developmental. Uh, This has been uh, quite a revelation, Charlie, since we've been doing the show. We have uh, given a push to Andrew Lloyd Webber. No, we we sent him back to developmental. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I dropped a pipe bomb on uh, Jacob's parenting in Joe's. The technical dream car. and he almost I've been listening to it again today. he almost went back to developmental again today because the more I listen to it the more I question his uh, family ethics but he's not because something else annoyed me this week I get annoyed very easily I've got a long list of other things that if nothing annoys me in the week I have a long list of things I can fall back on just in life that annoy me I'm very easily annoyed I'm learning which you wouldn't you wouldn't think because you're such a jovial upbeat person but lurking within that there's man a mountain old man. there's a grumpy old, old man, man. Yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely Okay, well, look, um, yeah, give me a bit of grumpiness first, then, before you tell me what you're giving a push to. What are you selling them back to developmental? Okay, so this is the first one I think that really could rile a few people up because they're very popular and a lot of people love them. I don't know what your thoughts on these are. Okay. But going back to developmental, and I wouldn't even send them back to developmental, I'd release them and wouldn't wish them luck for their future endeavours, is gender reveal parties. <laughs> I cannot deal with them. Like, if I'm ever invited to one, I don't know how I will fake being happy to be there. I just think it's a load of nonsense. And another, it's an Americanism coming into the British culture that we do not need. And some of the ways people do it are just ridiculous. I saw someone today lifting weights. She was pregnant. She was doing a clean and jerk and then dropped the weights to see what um, colour they'd smash into. That's not very safe when you're pregnant, I don't imagine. Mm. They just, they do my head in. And I don't know what you think about them. You may very much enjoy them, but I cannot. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What about me makes you think I would very much enjoy no, I said you might enjoy parties. them. I don't know. It's not something we've ever spoken about before. I don't I know. Don't think there's, I don't think there's anyone out there, apart from maybe the parents involved, who does anything other than tolerate them. Can you... Look, let's, let's call a spade a spade. Most people's children are pretty boring most of the time, okay? Most people, unless say you're very close friends, there is a, a, a limit of tolerance we all have for other people's kids. We will look at five pictures max. We will feign interest in one story from school. And that is when they are born. Mm. My tolerance for them being before that, I want them to be healthy and happy. And apart from that, 
you tell me what the gender is when it comes. I don't need forewarning. Also, like, what what sort of reaction are you expecting? Whatever happens, everyone goes, yay! That's the only correct response. That's the only correct response. You can't go, ah, God, what in a girl, I've got a boy, or vice versa. That makes you awful. So it doesn't matter what happens, everyone cheers. I just, I have no time for them whatsoever. I would love it if there was a gender reveal party where just one person just stormed out. They were so yeah. furious about the fact they were having a baby girl or a baby boy. One, uh, you know, I will say the one thing I sometimes do enjoy them is when you see dads have to pretend those. Now and again, you'll see for like three seconds so they get happy. You'll see them go, uh, oh, yeah, okay, I'm meant to be happy. That's the um, only thing. So, look, given you don't like them, in the future, if you and your other half decide to have children, if that were to happen, mm-hmm. what if there was a baby reveal party that was, or a gender reveal party, that was the Royal Rumble countdown clock? And it was just... Go- no, 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 you can't. The-, the, only, the only way, the only way you'd get me at one is if The Undertaker was announcing the gender of my baby. <laughs> then I'd go. If he opened up the urn and a pink light yeah. or a blue light sort that's, of shot that's, out. That is the one... That's the one gender reveal pile that you have. I don't know how much you have to pay on Cameo for the Undertaker to do that. If someone wants to do that for me, then I'd go. I've got this picture of an Undertaker gender reveal party, which is, you know, a casket match where they're rolling you towards the casket and then the casket slowly opens up and it just says, it's a boy. Hey, if someone wants to do that for me, I'll ch- I will flip on a dime and change my thoughts on gender reveal parties. Until that happens, it, they're, they're a no from me. Yeah, do you know what? This is a good one, because I didn't know I felt so passionately against them till you brought mm. them to my attention, and I mm. do. Um, mine's going to pale into significance to that, and it shows the difference between you and me. My going back to developmental is cryptic crosswords. You know okay. cryptic crosswords? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't do them. I'm a pretty smart guy. I got two degrees, and I know I got two degrees because I still got the student debt from them, and every so often I think I'm going to do a cryptic crossword because it's going to keep the brain ticking over, going to ward off dementia in later life. It's an investment in my future. I sit down, I open the newspaper, I cannot understand what they are asking me. It's like another language. I can do the general knowledge ones. They're fine. Piece of cake. These cryptic ones where the clue is like, I, inside Roman, perhaps, and you think, <laughs> I don't know. What, what do you want? I don't understand them. And I've, I've, I've bought the books. I've bought the books on how to do the books. I just can't. They have to go back to developmental. No more of them. They need to go back and rethink. They need a new gimmick. They need a new gimmick to cryptic crosswords. <laughs> Come back as Sudo, Sudoku or something like yes, that. Yes, New music, please. new pyro. Um, okay, and before we hear you're earning the push, uh, I'm going to turn a little bit serious. My earning the push uh, this week is Alan Turing. Do you know who Alan Turing is? You I do. He, he broke the Enigma code. He did. He broke the Enigma code. I'm sure if he were around now, he would say he was one of many on the team who did it, but he broke the Enigma code. He he helped smash the German ciphers in World War II. He was also gay, and that meant that he was chemically castrated by the state, and the last years of his life were miserable. And it really struck me this week how a guy who did so much for the war effort isn't remembered enough. Sure, he's going on the money. That's great. But we should all raise a glass to Alan Turing because someone who uh, did what he did in the war deserved a better end. He, he should have been on statues and on plaques. And instead, he was pretty discredited in his later life. So sorry to bring the mood down. Alan no, Turing no, not at earning all. my push. I love my history anyway. I'm a bit of a history nerd. Yeah. But if anyone wants to learn more about him, Imitation Game is an unbelievable film. And some of yeah. Bendit Cumberbatch's best work, I think, playing him. But... 
on um, the fact that Alan Turing, I'm going to give you a push here quickly. The fact that Alan Turing was gay and and uh, LGBT community. If you want to learn more about that, go and listen to Jack's other podcast that he does because it's absolutely brilliant. His LGBT sport podcast. So that wasn't early push for me. That's got a side push. Yes, go and give that a listen. Especially, I'm right saying it's Pride Month, isn't it, June? It, it is Pride Month. Yeah. Um, you so can't say go so, and go and give that a listen. You can't say side push. That's gay slang for something filthy. Right. That's my. It's not. It's not. I just wanted to see your face if you believe you panicked, that, Jack. You panicked me there. You panicked me there. <laughs> and what I'm going to move on to is I'm going to give a push to the most British thing in the world. I'm going to give a push to the weather currently in England, but oh, not come just the weather. On. No, Didn't no, you no, send the weather specific... back to developmental last week? I did. So I'm only going to be fair. It's a specific element of the weather. It's how quickly I'm being able to dry my clothes in the weather currently. Okay. I'm sticking my clothes horse out in my garden in the sun, and honestly, about two hours flat, all my clothes are dry, and we don't have a tumble dryer in our flat. So when you go through as much kit as I do, when you're training yeah. twice a day, you go through a lot, and suddenly your kit's running out if you can't get it dry. So the weather drying my clothes at the moment is what's getting the push. That's what's earning a push from me. Not I think quite that's... as serious as yours. No, I think that's fine. I think that makes sense. Um, you don't have to do each other's kits, by the way, do you? Because I, in the touch no, no, rugby, no, no, I, I do. Just, you, just yes, yours. you had the bibs the other day, didn't you? I had the bibs. That's what a, a nightmare. A tough, that's a tough gig, doing the bibs. Did you used to when you were making your way in the game? When, yes, when I was, as well, when I was playing junior rugby, uh, my dad was our coach. So quite often we'd end up with just him or mum doing all all the shirts from the match and it's just it's a lot of washing and as a kid you don't really understand but now as a grown adult who does my own washing it's a lot of work you know what now i'm a year older i i realize that being an adult is mostly 30 percent complaining about how little you've slept and the rest of your time is just putting washes on that is all being a grown-up is and thinking about where you're going to park <laughs> If I, I was having this conversation, I was having this conversation with someone else the other day. If I go anywhere that I don't know where it is, the first thing I think about now is right, what's the parking? How boring is life? That's the first thing I think is like, can I park there? I tell you what, I've got a few years on you. There will come a time in your not too distant future, my friend, where the first thing you think about will be where is the public loo? And then you really know, <laughs> you you really know you're getting on in age. You really do. Uh, right, look, uh, that seems an appropriate note to sort of wrap it up on. A uh, part two of the fantasy booking of Roman Reigns' universal title deposal, how he loses the belt if you're in charge. Coming up next week, Charlie and I will wrap ours up and we'll do yours. And there have been some crackers coming in. Uh, remember, rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your pods from. It means you never miss, miss an episode. Tell a mate about us if you love us, if you've heard us, if you want more people to hear us, that would be great. We will start getting guests on as we develop and get bigger and we're looking forward to that at charlie underscore beckett is him at jack underscore merley is me earning the push podcast at hotmail.com uh, charlie what will we be talking about next week well we're going to be talking about what i'm about to go and do this evening i'm going to leave us on a cliffhanger like all good shows do i'm off to play with my better half my first ever game of squash good and luck. i feel like the sport of squash, depending how this evening goes, will either earn the push or be going all the way back to developmental. I will have anyone who knows me, and you know me well, know that I will have some pretty strong feelings either way about squash after this evening, I imagine. Yep, uh, it's only appropriate we're talking about squash matches in a wrestling podcast. And that's exactly. a clever, what else little, could it be? clever yes. little note to wrap what? us up on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks everyone for joining us. Uh, we'll see you again next week. We are off and done from earning the push. Bye bye. Yeah.